Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play. The Women's World Cup drew to a close this week and to nobody's surprise, Australia won. They won every game in the tournament that they played and they scored a mammoth 356 against England in the final, including the highest score in a World Cup final ever with Alyssa Healy scoring 170. In part one, we're going to delve into that game as well as covering the semi-finals and having some bigger picture discussion about what we want to see from the World Cup moving forward. In part two, Will will be joining us to discuss the goings-on in the IPL, as well as we'll be going around the grounds to round up everything else that's going on in world cricket. Today, I'm joined once again by Ellie. Ellie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Great to hear. And We will have Will joining us later, but he can't quite make this time, so... You know, he'll miss out for now. So let's let's get straight into it. First of all, big picture thoughts, Ellie. The World Cup, good, bad, interesting. It was great, to be honest. There was a lot of close games, and I think it was just a really good advertisement for women's cricket as a whole. But as an England slash New Zealand fan yourself, some disappointment, yeah? Yeah. None of the results went my way whatsoever. No, no. Nearly, though. Well, kind of nearly. I mean, we, we all... We predicted this in our in our preview pod that we did. We knew it was, can anyone beat Australia on the day? We knew Australia would make the semi-finals. It was in that semi-final or the final, can someone beat them? And the odds was no. And nope. considering their record over the last few years, it wasn't that surprising. Let me run you through what happened in those semi-finals then. Because last week on the podcast, we spoke about the group stage. So the first semi-finals between Australia and the West Indies, the game was rain-affected. And there was talk beforehand about maybe, or oh, if it's down to a T20, then, you know, West Indies have got a better chance. It, it wasn't anywhere near down to a T20. It was rain effective, but it was still 45 overs. And in 45 overs, Australia hit 305 for three, which at the time it was, it was, it was game over, more or less. You know, 
to opening stand of 216. It was a dominant performance like we'd come to expect from this Australia side. Wendy's didn't really get close, getting all out for 148. But, you know, I think at points during the tournament, you wouldn't have expected West Indies to get to the semi-finals. I personally didn't expect them to get to the semi-finals because I think, like we said on the preview and throughout, they are they're a very exciting team. They can beat anyone, but they also can lose to everyone, as we saw throughout the tournament. What were your thoughts on, on the West Indies throughout the tournament, Ellie? I think they're a good team, but they are really, really reliant on them opening to Dotting and Matthews to set the foundation. And if they don't, then what do West Indies have to defend? Uh, the only person who comes close to them in sort of run scoring in the tournament will be Stefani Taylor. And even then, she sort of struggled at number three, number four. So they they were reliant, quite reliant on their main three batters throughout the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is something coming into the tournament that we said as well, that, you know, without those top, those big three, there's no one else. You know, the the other players just don't stand up to the same level. It's it's difficult. The bowling attack's, you know, decent enough, but if they're not going to get the scores on the board, then they're, they're not going to be able to defend it. Brilliant for them to get to this point. And, you know, you've got to hope that with with kind of Matthews being still pretty young and a couple of other young players coming through that, Maybe the T20 World Cup in, I can't remember whether it's a year's time or two years' time now. I think it might only be a year because everything's been moved around because of because of COVID. So this one should have been obviously last year. Either next year or the year after in South Africa, there's a T20 World Cup. So they can look forward to that. In the second semi-final, we had South Africa versus England. I think this was always thought of as going to be the closer game. We'd said previously, I, I think I predicted South Africa to get to the final. But then when it came to predicting the result of this game, I predicted England to get over the line. And and so it was. England batted first in this one. Danny Wyatt kind of seemingly finally scoring that that score, that getting that score that we thought she could get from opening after you know confidence was put in her. And her brilliant partnership with Sophia Dunkley helped England post 293. A very competitive score, but with, you know, I don't think it was a sure thing. With Laura Wolvard's form, I thought anything was chaseable. But she was the first wicket to fall. And, you know, that Shrubsoft celebration, she was, it was, you could tell it was such a key wicket. It was such a key moment. And, you know, South Africa from there was struggling. They were 74 for four at, after the 20 over mark. And it got a lot worse from there because that's when uh, the best bowler in the world, Sophie Eccleston, came into the tournament, came into the tournament, sorry, came into the, the attack. She uh, took the final six wickets and South Africa fell 137 runs short. We will talk about England, but let's, because they, you know, made it through, but let's talk about South Africa for now. I thought they were really impressive. They were one of the favourites coming into the tournament, obviously, you know, after Australia, but pretty, very impressive. Laura Wolvard, brilliant. Marazan Kat, brilliant. And all of this without uh, Daneva Nikok. What were your thoughts on them throughout the tournament? I've got like a little controversial thought. I don't know. I just don't think South Africa could have easily been like seventh. They could have lost all their games because all of them went to the final over apart from the semi. They were really reliant on Wolf Fat, who in the group stages was really consistent. And to a degree, as soon as they, lose, uh, they were quite reliant on her batting too. And Marazan Kat, Lozelle Lee at the top didn't fire at all, which we sort of expected her to. She was the number one ODI batter last year, won the mm. ODI batter of the year award, if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, really sort of big players were stepping up like Wolfhard, but also a bit disappointing, like Lee. 
Yeah, interesting. What about their bowling attack then? Because there's there's a lot of talk about how good you know Mazan Kappa and Shabdan Ismail were, and then you know Ayubong and Kaka coming in after them. Did you think their bowling attack kind of performed as you expected? Because you, you know, and did is that what got them over the line in those close games? Definitely. You know, in the final love, I'm pretty sure more often than not they took wickets, which stopped the other teams from getting to the total. Um, they've been really impressive with the bowling. I'm kind of surprised about Chloe Tryon because she's been bowling like the full 10 overs, which I'm guessing is because Daniel Van Neerkirk's not there because otherwise Chloe Tryon wouldn't be bowling the full 10. Yeah. So, and I thought she did okay stepping into that role, having a feeling for Daniel Van Neerkirk. So, as well as the the people we expect to do to do well, you know, Kaka, Kat, Ismail, we also saw Chloe Tryon step up and do okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, another team that will be targeting, you know, that home T Twenty World Cup for them. Wolvard, she'll have to. She obviously she'll have to kind of work on her strike rate a little bit to kind of go to T Twenty cricket. But she's a very very talented batter, so I you know I expect that she'll be able to do that. I yeah, I comp- I do agree. Their bowling attack was very good, and I like the point you made about Tryon because you can't. Those are huge shoes to fill. Van Nieker's shoes, losing her, just huge. Like you, you can't fill those shoes. So, like, she did a good job. South Africa were, you know, one of the better teams throughout the thing. But I like what you, your point about they, they got over the line in the close games. They did get lucky. And it seemed like through the first part of the tournament, it was they were getting lucky in those early get then those kind of last overs. And England were getting very unlucky and they were kind of, losing in the, in those last overs or you know falling just short and it, it felt like for me at that point I was thinking oh you know South Africa glad I predicted them to, to get to the final because this could be all the luck's falling their way but unfortunately like we just said their luck um it ran out in the semi-final let's talk about the final then so there was a lot of talk about the toss afterwards during the game constantly as if because England won the toss and put Australia in I it's been widely regarded as, as the wrong decision. It probably it potentially was the wrong decision, but I don't think it's as clear cut as that when you're playing a team that is on paper quite a lot better than you. It's quite hard to decide because you know runs on the board in the final is really important. But Australia is so good at chasing, so I wouldn't have wanted to put. I wouldn't have wanted to let Australia chase down the target because Australia chased down whatever you score. So I don't know. What did you think about the the toss decision? I mean, either way, Australia were going to win. But I I think I would have liked to seen us bat because I feel like Australia's weaker department was the bowling. I mean, I'm not saying in any way they were bad. They won the World Cup. They, they didn't lose a single game. Like, they were good. But it's their weaker side and they lost them four, bowl- them four bowlers early on before the World Cup started. So it's kind of a, not an inexperience because Jess Jonathan's been around for quite some time now. Um, but, you know, the Alana Kings, who literally debuted um, a few months ago. Um, Darcy Brown, who's still quite young, she's 19. Um, that inexperience mm. might have been something that England could have exploited in that chase. And they kind of did. With Darcy, Darcy Brown was going at like eight runs and over when England were chasing that. So it was definitely something that they could have used to their advantage if they set at all, but they didn't, so... Yeah, so so let's let's dive into the game. So, like we said, it was always going to be tough. 
And as I mentioned in the intro, Australia put on a mammoth total and England did fail to chase it down. Like you said, honourable mention to Nat Siver though, 148 not out at the end, by far the highest runs in a losing effort in a World Cup final. There wasn't much support for her though, but I really like your point about how we did see you know, this maybe the slight inexperience of the Aussie bowlers getting a bit nervous in that time. I mean, it's, I think it's something we, we pointed out in our preview that if there is a weakness in this Australia side, you know, it's hard to find a weakness in this amazing side. It was that some of their bowlers are just younger. They're inexperienced compared to some of the other teams and, you know, compared to how solid their whole batting lineup is basically that the few of their bowlers have played a few less games. They're still amazing bowlers, but... It's a very small weakness. So, what 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 were your thoughts on England in in general? Then did did this did this final apart from the kind of did this final go wrong for them, or was it just that Australia are too good? I think it is just the Australia are too good because the batters did did a good job. You know, no one stuck around really with Nat Siver, but you know, Tammy Bowman got going, Heavy Knight got going, Amy Jones got going, Steve Dunkley got going. But Australia are just too good. They stopped them before they could really fire. So it's it's a mix of both, really. Yeah, I think that that was the thing, though, is that England, other than that Siva, no one really, everyone, we had a few players like Heather Knight, Tommy Beaumont, they all kind of got to 20 and then couldn't couldn't kind of push on. Whereas the Australian players, you know, even though obviously Healy was the standout knock, but Haynes and Moon, he both got kind of like 60, which is more of a contribution there. And... Yeah, they're they're just so good. Australia are just so good. You've got to hand it to them. They're they're a very good cricket side, and and England are also very good. But it's it's important to remember Australian women's cricket has been professional for eight years now. England, it's only it's only two years, I think. So, and that's kind of expanding expanded with the hundred last year. So, you know, we're we're a few years behind, and then you know, the rest of the world's kind of years behind us as well in that way, which is, you know, why it wasn't too surprising to see these two as the as the finalists. In general, who was it who stood out for you in, in the tournament other than the kind of the players we've already mentioned? I want to say Alana King. She was quite high up in the wickets. It's her first World Cup. She's been thrown in it. You know, she was thrown into the Ashes. She was thrown into the World Cup. So in, um, as a whole, she's just done really well. Um, in this World Cup, definitely. She was beating some world-class players. Yeah, completely agree. I thought Alana King was really impressive. And it's easy to forget that, that she is so new to international cricket. You know, before the Ashes, there was lots to talk about whether her or Amanda J. Wellington would, would be the spinner for the Ashes. And they went with Alana King. And, and you know, they went with Alana King for the majority of, of this tournament as well. Speaking of, of Amanda J. Wellington... You picked her out as your potential breakout star before the tournament. I'm a huge fan of hers as well. How did her tournament go? I know she didn't she didn't play too much, but how, how would you rate her performance overall? I think she got like a game. Was it just the one game she got? But I think it was good. She took two wickets or something. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember her taking two wickets, and I think it was against England, actually. I could be mm. wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was against England, and I thought, that was quite good. You know, she, she hadn't really had much game time before. She wasn't in the Ashes, um, though she did have that A-series um, tour that was going on as the Ashes was. She didn't really have much game time, so for her to come out 
midway through World Cup and then take two wickets and then never play again, unfortunately. I thought I still thought she did really well. Yeah. I back that. I thought I thought she was pretty good in that one game she played. So on kind of best players, I said about who stood out for you. Let's do our let's do our rain stop play player of the tournament. I want to hear your kind of your thoughts. Obviously there's you know, there's the obvious examples we could easily say Sophie Eccleston, which is I think probably who we'll end up agreeing on. But uh let's throw some other names out to start with. Alyssa Healy didn't seem to do anything until the semi-finals and then just, you know, rocked up and scored 300 runs in two games. So, you know, that's very good. Not very good throughout the rest of the tournament. I was talking on last week's pod about how uh, my predictions for Meg Lanning to be top run scorer, it was still going to come through. She was going to be the big game player, but the opening partnerships were just too good. So Healy kind of stole the limelight. She was actually officially the player of the tournament, although... I'm not sure she should be. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. She's she did well all tournament. You know she was getting all right scores, but it's those last two games that she came into. Um, compared to Rachel Haynes, for example, she was lurking around that leading run scorer sort of area for quite some time, and I think, and then she got leapfrogged by Alyssa Healy in the last two games. Um, so she got that. Leading run scorer title robbed off of her um, by Alyssa Healy, who I don't really think she deserved the player of the tournament. I think that probably could have gone to someone more consistent like a, a Vulfart, who was every game just getting those 50 plus scores, it felt like. She didn't get 100, but I mean, the consistency that she had, I don't think she needed 100. So it could have gone to someone like Vulfart. Yeah, I, I mean, before the tournament, we spoke about her as a, a, a kind of breakout star. It was maybe a little bit cheeky me calling her my breakout star because we already knew she was really good. So, you know, I got away with one there. Still young, though, you know, so I I feel like that's okay. But, yeah, I think Wolvard was on for it if she'd have scored some runs in the semi-final. Also, it's I, th- I feel like with those things, it's easier. There's so much recency bias. Healy has just scored runs. She's there. They always, they basically always give it to someone who's in the final, don't they? Because they're there. The other people aren't there, so they want to be able to give it to someone. And then they also want to be able to give it to someone who's won and who's performed in, on that day. Because personally for me, Sophie Eccleston, 21 wickets at 15, economy of under four, that's player of the tournament for me. But they never give it to bowlers. They never give it to bowlers. And, you know, Marazan Cap as well. Very good. 200 runs, 12 wickets. It's a very good all-round performance. Uh, personally, I, I vote Sophie Eccleston. What do you think? I feel like it would be a bit wrong if I had to try to, like, vote Sophie Devine when she's not even, like, the top 10 run scorers. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Sophie Eccleston. Sophie Eccleston. I've got to keep that ballers. You know, they never get it. So, like you say, so... Yeah, let's 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 start a trend. We'll do it. We'll we'll start a trend here. So that's it. Our rain stop, our official rain stop play player of the to- of the World Cup twenty twenty two. Sophie Eccleston, well done. I'm, she's welcome to to collect her award. I, I, we haven't decided on what the award is yet, but you know, well done, Sophie Eccleston. You were brilliant. You are brilliant. What what do you think is kind of what can this World Cup do, Ellie, to to grow? What what should it what should it do to kind of 
I, th- I think it was very high quality. A lot of the cricket was, and the other than Australia, the next and you know Pakistan and Bangladesh on the other end. Although Pakistan and Bangladesh had some close games with other teams, all those other teams, those five teams, they're pretty evenly matched. What can this tournament do to to kind of go to the next go to the next level? Do you think they need more teams? Because you know we we spoke in the preview about we'd love to be talking about Thailand being here. Do you think ten teams is the is is the natural next step? I'd like to see more teams. You know, the Islands, the Netherlands, the Thailands—they coming through, and and I would like to see that. But I think it's kind of unrealistic. This tournament was a month, and it was seven games. If you didn't get through at the semis, eight if you got to the semis and didn't get through at the finals, nine if you did all. Um, and it, I can't really imagine how tiring that must be because it was crammed into a month. So. While I'd like to see more teams playing nine games in a group stage alone on the players, I don't think that would be great for them. But I would like to see it. Yeah, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, it, it is, it's difficult because you want more teams naturally to have more competition, but then you don't want to, like you say, it's tiring with a lot of games in a short space of time. I kind of couldn't believe it when we when we looked at it for our preview pod that that they were going to fit this all in in a month. I couldn't believe how quickly it was over because they just seemed to just bash out the games. And yeah, because it, it was very competitive. And if you add in more teams, there's it's not going to be as competitive. But it's, it, yeah, it's difficult. It is a difficult one. I think it's a very good structure. I like the kind of everyone plays everyone thing. I think it works for a 50-over World Cup. Yeah, I, th- I think... You know, and, and next stage for women's cricket now this year is a, is probably another big year. We've got we've been speaking off air before that there's the Fair Breaks Women's Tournament coming up in May, which we're going to try and do some coverage of. Yeah, so this year this year is another big one for women's cricket. In just under a month's time, we've got the inaugural Fair Break Dubai Women's Invitational Tournament, which is going to be a tournament which has players from about a million different nations playing. I think I've seen like the captain of Vanuatu is going to be there. Um, everyone's favourite Brazilian cricketer is going to be there. Lots of New Zealand players. Is this something you're excited about, Ellie? I know it's it's something you've been covering a little bit on your Twitter, and I, but I think it's not been kind of, it's not been covered that much so far. Yeah, the way they've gone about advertising it is they've just dropped the players' signings and then like that's it. I think the tournament is a concept, you know, getting those big players from New Zealand, um, Australia, South Africa, and pairing them up with people from, um, I saw one from Austria, um, you know, I don't know why that's the only one that's coming to my head right now, but any country you can think of that's not a full member, I think it's great that they get to play with the big players because I think it improves their game, and I think they're making it quite accessible to people from those different countries too so it's to a wider audience and they're getting these people from their countries too because we don't really get that in cricket apart from like top eight ten teams if you're from Poland you're never going to see your team on the big screen um so I think this competition's doing that and it's great to see it's good for associate nations which is what we like because we want to close that sort of massive gap that's there we can't pretend it's not there it closes that Mm. gap up and really makes the game a lot more accessible for Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's it's the... F- I, I'm not sure if this is correct, but it feels like it's the first kind of 
women's franchise tournament where it's not going to be you know vast majority home home nation players because it's not going to be vast majority kind of uae players it's going to be players like we said from all over the world and it, it yeah it's going to be really exciting two weeks first two weeks of may that's going to be on and yeah hopefully we'll be doing some coverage of that we've also obviously got the hundred coming up later in the year women's hundred will be really exciting and you know the the um for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Women's English season starts it's coming around the corner quickly. That Charlotte Edwards cut will be with us before we know it. That about wraps us up for part one. In part two, Will will be joining us to talk about the IPL, and then we will go around the grounds. Welcome back to part two of Rain Stop Play. I'm now joined by Will. Will, how are you? Hello, very well. And we're going to talk about the IPL now, Will. What have you been thinking about it so far? General thoughts. General thoughts. First of all, very happy that it's on. And um, I'm enjoying having loads of cricket to watch. There are noticeably more teams than last year. Like, I wasn't expecting it to make a difference. But it has been noticeable that you get a lot more days between each team playing. So it feels like it's been on for a while now. But I've only been able to see two Rajasthan games. Which usually, I would say, is a blessing. But... But Zach, we're doing well. I'm not angry, which is a huge change for us doing an IPL pod. Yeah, the first thing I've put down in our notes is, are Rajasthan good? And and are they good, Will? Do you, do you think they're going to be... I think they do slyly have, have a, decent, a decent-ish side. We didn't really, with our uh, preview pod with uh, Ben Jones, which is still available if you want to listen to that, where we... We, we kind of got a bit too focused on kits, and, and I don't even think we ended up mentioning Rajasthan, which which was a first for an IPL pod with us. But yeah, doesn't matter. They're, maybe that. they're good. Kit Viz was my favourite bit of that pod. That was a, he's passionate about kits, and I respect that. And he's and and he didn't even make the point, which which I often do that Rajasthan's one has this sort of back and forth where sort of every time they get in legal trouble, they get brought back as fully pink, and then over the years it becomes bluer and bluer as it has this year, which really annoys me. Commit to the full pink, please. Yeah, commit to the full pink. 
And speaking of another team that, that, that we've spoken about a lot on the pod, and they also have quite a nice kit, KKR. Are they good? No. Maybe? No, no. I don't think so either. No. But, you know, Joey Ross is doing what Joey Ross does. Sunil Narayan's good. And Umesh Yadav taking wickets. He's, is he really good? Or is okay. it just that the pitchers are doing something? Two things on this. Number one, I'm quite smug because at every auction we've ever covered, I keep saying, why is nobody picking up Umesh Yadav? He's right there and you're spending way more money on overseas bowlers who are not as good as him. So that's nice. He's top wicket taker, I think, as we say this, or he has been. Um, the problem is, KKR, and I think we should take a minute to be amused that Crickbiz expert Ben Jones said KKR are clearly the worst team in the tournament and they currently sit second in the table. Enjoying that. But no, I think... Are they good? Eh. Like all IPL teams, both of them have talent. The problem is they've got the same issue, which is both heavily, heavily reliant on a couple of batters going berserk. So yes, if Dre Russ does Dre Russ things, you will win a game. But we've always known that. That's always been true with KKR. If he doesn't do that, do they have the depth to back him up? I think probably still no. Rajasthan are in the same situation as last year. We all... If Sandrew Sampson and Josh Butler don't nick off immediately and face a good number of balls, they will get their eye in and up the strike rate towards the end of their innings and score lots of runs, and that'll be great, and you'll probably win some games. Uh, if that doesn't happen, you'll lose more often than not, and I think that's still the situation. There still isn't enough batting depth to come after those two. And from a bowling perspective, there was always going to be a massive Jofra Archer-shaped hole in that team regardless of what they did at the auction it was very hard to cover that losing him um and they haven't and what they've sort of tried to do is just not bother it's the it's the kind of moneyball thing of like we can't replace Joffrey Archer but can we replace him in the aggregate by getting lots of different pieces and so far yes the two spinners have done really really well and I'm absolutely buzzing that we have actual spinners I don't just have to watch Rian Prague almost underarm the ball every over um, Yuzi Jahal has done particularly well Ashwin chimed in as well but there's still a lack of pace in that attack so I, I don't think there'll be a real contender this season winning two from the first two is a great start which gives them a chance of sneaking their way into that top, into the top four but I, I don't see them as a, as a serious contender but I'm enjoying it while it lasts don't get me wrong, top of the league yeah, top of the league. You don't you don't get to say that much in, in anything you support these days, Will. So enjoy it. Enjoy I haven't it. Haven't said mean, it in about ten years. Yeah. Wow. I like that we've we've managed to do Moneyball, talk about how some experts say say things wrong. It, it, you know, good stuff with the IPL chat. You've written in the notes here about Raj Bauer, and I did want to talk about this because this was just sad. Because he played one game, big fan of him. I was bigging him up in the preview. I've been bigging him up for months because of, you know, under-19 World Cup stuff. And, you know, dropped after a first baller. Sad, harsh, but, you know, they weren't doing well. The Punjab Kings, you know, they're good fun. They seem to just want to hit... They, they want to play T10 cricket, don't they, the Punjab Kings? They just want to go a million miles an hour. And they're good fun to watch and... You've you've noted something down here about what Ben Jones said about their strategy and how it's it's fun. Their bowling's not very good, but they're gonna try and just hit sixes after sixes. And you know they could they could win the whole thing with that. They probably won't though. Yeah, 
I'd, I'd echo that completely. They are my favourite team on a purely vibes level. Are they good? Probably not massively. Uh, Livingston in particular looked like he kind of got found out, essentially bowl wide to him, and he's not going to go off. Um, and then I forget whoever they've played in the most recent game, but the bowlers just decided to, to not do that and bowl really straight to him, and he pumped them for 108 meter six, which is hard to get your head around. Um, if he keeps doing that, great for them. They are ridiculous. Like you can't have a team that all plays that way. But I like that they have. Um, and yeah, Ben Jones' tweet on this was very interesting, where he basically said, the lack of relegation in this league means there's only one thing to play for, which is winning, which is which you would expect to give you a pretty homogenous style of play that all teams are kind of trying to create the same thing. And yet, for some reason, the Punjab Kings have just thrown out that template and decided, if we have this complete chaos thing, which is going to fall apart in 30% of the games, but will win us outright, a number, however defined, then they might. They're, probably, they're, not, I mean, they're almost definitely not going to win, but they will win as many as they lose by doing that. And it is the most exciting team. When you have Shahrukh Khan, you have Raj Bauer, you have Liam Livingston, That's your whole middle order is some of my favourite players in the world. It's hard not to love them. And, yeah, as I said in the notes, if they somehow sneak into the top four, they're one of those teams that you fancy a cheeky bet on to go and nick a game in the semi-final. Because at that point, anyone can win. If you turn up with two good performances, you've won the damn thing. Is this an early wheels outside shout? Is this what we're hearing here? It's early. It's too early. Well, you don't have. It's to too commit. early. No, don't I worry. do have. I do have early. an early outside shout if you want one. Oh, if you want to go, if you want to oh, go on go to on. another of my favourite teams, go on, please. Gujarat Titans. The bowling attack is very good, and the fact that Hardik is bowling is is fun my issue with that team is is hardick batting at four it's it's very it. strange i love it so much i, do I don't love know it. That he's ever done it in his career but they're like you're the captain now bat at four you've got about four and no you can't just hit six after six you've got to go at 120 or whatever he's been going at but you know what was weird he's quite good at that it reminds me of the time he randomly played two test matches and we've never seen him again but he like he's sort of can do it which is unexpected he can he, he can he can do it yes but lots of players can do that whereas there's not as many players who can do what hard it can do in the last five overs so buy him a little bit lower give him just whenever a wicket goes down from the 12th over onwards play Hardik, bring Hardik in or maybe maybe slightly later depending on how it works just you know come on He's got about a little bit lower. I, I think it's they are they still seem to be short on batting. Other than that, but the bowling attack with uh, Ellie's favourite, Lockie Ferguson, Shami, you know, Rashi Khan, great stuff, isn't it? Shubham Gill is is one right. player who actually had an unbelievable innings. I think it was yesterday. No, Saturday. Saturday. Got to be Saturday. Didn't watch much of it yesterday, but Saturday he scored lots of runs, looked really good. And, and as soon as the commentator said, oh, he's on for a century here, he gets out next ball, obviously, in, in the most classic case. The other new team, Lucknow Super Giants, currently playing Sunrises. That will be completely outdated by the time you listen to this. But 
they've been in their kind of first games. They really seem like the type of team I I have to support in any sport because they they bottled they bottled their first game, and that's what teams I support in any sport do. So I felt really more affinity with them immediately. And then they did you know go and chase down two ten. Okay, it wasn't comfortable, but just Evan Lewis was having a good time. Fifty-five not out for twenty-three, absolutely bashing it around. Quinton de Kock and Kel Rahul have been all right, but other than that, that I think I think my luck now, boys, aren't very good. Basically, I could be wrong because, as we said before hitting record, there are so many games that I get confused. I don't think I've seen luck now play yet. I'll be honest. So I'm jury's Kit's out. It's lovely. Kit's lovely. Kit's lovely. Krunel Pandia's having some good fun without his brother. I think he's all right. You know, we love a Ish. stupid football analogy on this podcast. Absolutely. Please. Krunel Pandia is Jesse Lingard. Yes. I love that. So he's going to have an unbelievable season this year then by that metric because obviously Mumbai are Mumbai Man United? Yeah. Not really. Just about works. <laughs> weak, weak. It's loose. But West Ham last year, Lucknow Super Giants. So Lucknow will get making playoffs then. That was what you're saying. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. In fact, I have a really, really rogue prediction for you at the end of this for top four. I, I mean, let's go. Do you want let's it now? Go for it now. You want it now? Yeah. Go on. So you and, you and Ben Jones, I think, said the same thing, right? You both said RCB Chennai, Lucknow. Who was your fourth? Mumbai. Mumbai. See, I think Mumbai have got a bottle job in them. I, I now think so too. And I think Chennai as, are as out of we it. Said, as we said in our, in our messages over the weekend, where we think that Mumbai have got a, a kind of a Pandia, both Pandia brothers shaped hole in that team that doesn't yeah. seem to be quite being fulfilled. They, they are seemingly reliant on, I mean, Pollard could have bowled well, but I don't think you can rely on four overs from Pollard. And nope. they are. They could bowl a bit of David, but again, I wouldn't want to particularly rely on that. His batting hasn't kind of been as up to the standard that we expect, but he's very new to the IPL. Completely fair enough. He's not he's not a Hardik replacement. Hardik has grown up playing in India, so fair enough. This was always yes. going to be the problem with the Tim David is our entire middle order approach that they took to the auction. Like he's not. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Okay, do you want a top four? I think the wheels have come off Chennai. They're not making it. I don't have any love for RCB at this point. Mumbai might sneak it, but for controversy's sake, I'm not going to go with them. I think both of the new teams are getting there. I think Gujarat and Lucknow both get in there. Delhi, I still like. And I'm going to back my boys for fourth. Butler will power Rajasthan into the top four. Let's go. Wow, I love this. Let's snip this. This is, this is so basically, Elliot. I, you probably don't know, but Will, I think it was a couple IPLs ago, randomly predicted Sunrisers to just kind of come back and do it. And they were, at the time, they were seventh. Everyone's like, no, what are you talking about? Mental prediction. And they got to the final. Am I right in thinking they got to the final? Or at least they made, they made the playoffs. And it was just, it got week by week, it got a better shout and a better shout. And then it fell. Yeah, agonizingly short. But yeah. Will, because thank you. Thank you very much. Go on. They had at that point the best opening pair in the IPL by far. Which reminds me, 
the two members of that pair, David Warner has just rocked up in Delhi, which is a massive boost for them because I don't love the look at their top three at the moment. So if they integrate him in, that's why I think they might make top four. Punjab Kings have not played Johnny Bairstow yet. If they work out a way to fit him in with the overseas cap into their 11, that slightly makes that 11 make more sense in my head. And then he can face a few more balls at the top. That lets your crazy middle order guys just do their bits without so much pressure. So that's their route into the four. So I think the reason was is that they had Rajapaksa who went really, really well in the first couple games. So yeah. it was kind of like Johnny Bairstow's back, but this guy's been absolutely smashing it. He did get run out nine, nine from five balls. I think it would still be unfair to drop him after that, but you could see it happen because it's, it's Johnny Bairstow, isn't it? So, you know, he, he's very good at cricket. I feel very sorry for Johnny Bairstow because for whatever reason, he feels like an easy person to leave out in any format that he plays. And I'm not quite sure why that is because he is legitimately one of the best opening bats in the IPL I've ever seen. He's the best English player in the IPL ever, by far, based on his performances. And so I, I, he'll, he'll work his way into that 11, undoubtedly. I, I don't see him opening, though. I can see him batting at four because cause he's obviously been batting at four for England and because... You're not going to bat Dawan or Agarwal anywhere other than opening, are you? I think the Dawan thing is is, is weird. I, th- I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't know if he'll make the season. I think Shikha might be out of the team before too long. He's on his last legs. He's like 37 now. He's way older than I, I think he is. I know because it was one of the, it was a quiz question that I did about who who got the most runs in like the two, it was like the 2004 of the 19 World Cup and it was Dawan was playing then. <laughs> but yeah. That will that, that that'll do for IPL IPL chat for this week. Now we're going to go around the grounds. There's been lots of cricket going on. Ellie, you've been uh, keeping up to date with Netherlands versus New Zealand. Do you want to tell us about that one? Yep. So been a quite fun series because some of the um, players for the Netherlands play domestically for some New Zealand teams. So like Max O'Dowd, he plays for Auckland Air. Um, Logan Van Beek actually born in New Zealand plays for the Netherlands he was playing against them some of the New Zealand team are his roommates so former roommates that's quite fun it was it was pretty much like <laughs> straight up like New Zealand domination um, Netherlands were never really going to win this one anyway but they were pretty much smashed by William for the entire series nice yeah and it was uh, so it's the first time they've played each other in a bilateral series outside of a World Cup. So that's that's pretty big. And, you know, that's thankful to the the World Cup Super League that I'm a big fan of, means they all play each other. And again, we spoke before about the, in the women's game, you know, breaching the gap between associate nations and kind of the, the bigger teams. And the World Cup Super League was do, has been doing that to a certain extent in the men's game as well. It was Ross Taylor's last game overnight. Well done on a brilliant career, Ross Taylor. Great player, great bloke. I think he's he's got to be up there with. I mean, she says she says about any New Zealand player. I think every single player in, in New Zealand teams ever is always kind of one of those blokes you're like, or one of those people you're always like, they're one of the nicest people in the sport, aren't they? Because New Zealanders, they're just quite nice, aren't they? So moving onwards, we've also had Pakistan, Australia, still going on. Who knew? I know a lot of their players have left to go to play in the IPL. So it is a slightly weakened Australia side. Three-match ODI series. There is one T20 that is 
it will be the day you're listening to this will be happening probably as you're listening to this maybe and the three are uh, Pakistan won the three ODI series 2-1, coming back from 1-0 down. Travis Head scored a 72-ball 100 in the first ODI. Apparently, it's his, like, 40th ODI, which I don't believe. This was his debut. As far as I'm concerned, this was his debut. He's never... When would he... When has he played all these ODIs? I'm sorry. Australia don't play white ball cricket. Haven't done for the last two years. When has he played all these ODIs? It must have been years ago, because he wasn't, he wasn't in the squad. In the 2019 World Cup, I, 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 this has absolutely baffled me. I saw him in there and I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite a good player. He plays some shots. He can go at a run a ball. He'll be good in this. Wonder why he hasn't played before. And then they came up with his stats and he's 45 ODIs. Couldn't believe it. But yeah, he's been pretty good throughout. Ben McDermott, again, probably making his debut. God, surely has to be making his ODI debut in this series. He got 100 in the second game. Pakistan chased down 348, which was insane. Babar Azam and Imanul Huck both getting centuries. And then they both scored loads of runs in the second game as well, as when Australia were bowled up for 210. But yeah, that test series was a little bit disappointing. The ODI series seemed like it was going to be a bit more exciting, but unfortunately I didn't actually get to watch much other than the first one. But yeah, other than that, county season. He's played six games, by the way, Ben McDermott. ODIs? Six games. Six ODIs. Blimey. When? When have they played these ODIs? He was like a breakout star of this year's BBL that happened. When have they... I don't, I, I don't know. You can't keep up with Australia. But yeah, other than that, the county season this Thursday. Very exciting. Will, you excited for the county championship? No, you're a big fan. Um, No, but only because... I can't believe it's starting already. I've got so confused by dates and there is a lot of cricket and it's like four degrees in England at the moment. So it doesn't feel like cricket season, but yeah, I'm excited. Why not? It is the same every year though. We have some really nice weather in March and then just for when the county season runs around. I saw over the weekend there was a game that was a snow stopped play in a pre-season game that was like, this is, this is it. This is English cricket at its best. This is why we produce the best test players in the world. So that just leaves us with my quick question for the week. The answer to last week's question, who is the most recent England men's test captain who we don't see do regular media appearances, which is a bit of a flowery one, is Alex Stewart, who is the director of cricket at Surrey, because the rest of them we see on the TV all the bloody time. And then this I, week's question... I'd forgotten last week's question until you just said that, and now I'm remembering. This is such an ambiguous postmodern approach to a, to a quiz sack. I love it. No concrete answer just doesn't do much media. Well, the, the reasoning behind it, as I explained on last week's pod, was that you can't say cricket commentator who is commentating cricket because Flintoff doesn't do cricket commentary, but he's in the media more than anyone else is. He's more famous than anyone else is. Whereas, you know, Athers, Hussain, Vaughan, they're all doing commentary all the time. You know, even if Vaughan we don't like, he's still doing commentary. He was back in the BT Sports studio, you know, a couple of weeks ago. No, you're but, absolutely right. I, I see the logic. No yeah, complaint. and Stuart doesn't. Stuart doesn't do anything because, you know, he's, he's busy at Surrey coaching. 
So, yeah. And this week's question, how many days did the longest test match in history last for? And it's on absurd. that lovely... It's, it's snowing again on Saturday, you know. Is it actually? Yeah. So, well, we'll get some more snow stop play. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. And on those uh, rather snowy, cheery notes, I think that about wraps up. Thank you for joining us, Ellie. And thank you, Will. And we'll see you all next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.